Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Do me a fucking favor as if Jack Grealish needs to go play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to progress his career. <laughs> Like that, that is an absolutely, that is absolutely a step backwards. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And that shocked the light. Death, taxes and Michael Oliver giving Manchester United a penalty. 33 penalties in 59 games for them. And I'm not going to actually begrudge him this one. Dean Smith said afterwards that he thought that Douglas Louise foul was a foul initially. Having looked at it again, he thinks Pogba tripped himself. I just think Douglas Louise should not be in that position. He doesn't need to put himself in that situation. He does step across into Pogba's space. I think if that was a Villa player, it's enough to make Pogba trip up. Um, even if he does trip himself, Louise is, is hogged where his left leg should now be going. Yeah, I, I think we would be saying that's a... If we're being true to our heart of hearts, we would be saying that was a penalty if the shoe was on the other foot. So let's just suck this one up and accept it. I'm disappointed because I like to come into this game thinking, geez, you do well to get anything out of it. Villa played well. But just the two goals just seem pretty, actually very unnecessary. So I feel very flat now after after coming off the back of that. Um. Yeah, like what? What did you think? Do you think it was a penalty, Liam? I thought it was. A, it was. It was definitely very, very soft. I mean, United are very lucky. I mean, there's no. There's no tackle from Dougie. He. It has to be that tight. Maybe. He's, maybe it's just too tight to Pogba's right as the ball's coming into Pogba to Pogba. But he has to then get tight to him because the ball sat up nicely for Pogba. He's in the box on his right foot. They come together. Like yeah, you're right. If someone does that to Jack Grealish, nudges his trailing leg into his other leg, I'd be screaming for a penalty. So yeah, let's just move on. But it is annoying because, like as you say, United weren't very good, really. Like it was, it was an interesting decision I thought from Dean to play, to play essentially our normal game against this Man United team. I mean, despite how 
insanely talented the front six are and even the front six options are for Man United. They can really, really struggle. They break teams down. And we even we saw that tonight. And they peppered they peppered a few shots in from outside the box, but didn't really create many chances. And then to concede those two goals in, yeah, it's frustrating to say the least. I think I think the the penalty is um more frustrating in the context, uh, you know, because Dean Smith's asking just go over and have a look at the screen, um, and then you get back into these technicalities. It's not a clear and obvious error, so they're not going to tell him to do that. Um, you know, he could still there should be some rule where he can just go over and check for his own sake if he wants. Um, and I think he would look at that and think, nah, like I haven't missed anything there. It's it's fine, still a penalty. But then afterwards, and I don't even think. Sky showed one replay of it, not in real time and not after the game, certainly not after the game. Uh, they were too busy praising United for being joint top. Like, when the fuck has that become a thing? But, um, yeah, like Harry Maguire looked like he, he handballed the ball in the 95th minute. And again, the frustrating thing about that, whether you think it was a, a penalty or not, VAR didn't even check on it. There was no stop. There was no... Yeah, there was nobody thinking, right, let's have a look, have we missed something? And to me, Harry Maguire looks like he's had the ball off his outstretched arm. It bounces up and then he seems to bring it back down with the other side of that arm. And I know Keenan Davis gets a shot away, but you know, I don't know if that matters. Like Maguire's headed the ball off the far side of his arm and then brought it down quicker than it would come down. And but again, the most frustrating thing is that nobody's even looked at it and it's moved on. And yet again it feels like Villa are the victims of VAR just not looking to stoke controversy or interfere for interference sake. Just like, if we can get away with it, we can move on. Uh, like, yeah. The the handball from Maguire leads to Keenan Davis's chance. So it's like, you know, because of that handball, Davis gets the chance. So I don't think, I don't think there's any real reason to be annoyed at that. I mean, if, if Maguire doesn't handle it, Davis doesn't get a shot away in the 95th minute, so I wouldn't. Yeah, but is, but is that is that a reason to not give a penalty though? Like, I, you're right, but like you know, it's still a penalty, right? If if it is a handball, like you know, if say he was it was a more clear dictionary definition of a handball, it still would be a penalty, whether or not it led to the shot or not. Or it would be a handball, and you've played advantage, and you yeah. have the shot then afterwards. Um, I mean, like, there's nothing unnatural about his arm for somebody who's jumping up to head the ball. He's just a mess. Like, he just misses the ball off his forehead essentially, and it hits off his arm, which is about six inches away from his big block. And like, if if Villa conceded a penalty from that, I'd be really fucking annoyed, especially because they had their chance then. And Bay puts in an incredible block at the last minute. Yeah, I suppose I'm thinking <laughs> you're right. Like, the chance does come off the back of that. You know, and then if you're talking about playing away or whatever, you get a better chance than a penalty, I suppose. What I'm thinking is I would never want Keenan Davis stepping up for that penalty. <laughs> Just give me the penalty and I'll pick somebody better to step up. I'll get a goals to step up. But, um, yeah, look, it's just a very, very frustrating night because there was, there was a point there at least on the table. You're right as well. Like, you know, probably gave them a few more chances than you need to give United because they've been so predictably slow all year you know when you put a few players in defense ahead of them and like Villa would have had their chances still going up the other end felt like they helped them out a little bit especially you had to be able to run the clock down like and I mean just like you know after 60 minutes by the way Villa played because you know they were just able to hit those counters and then that just you know takes a couple of minutes out because United are getting an attack that Villa don't need to give them but I want to talk about Tyrone Mings I'm actually very surprised I thought like we were the podcast of 
you know, unreasonable opinions. No, actually, that's that's very unfair on us, <laughs> <laughs> on you. Um, you know, but there's a, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of hate out there for Tyrone Mings, especially tonight. And I, I thought when I was seeing like some of the celebrations about Courtney Howes and and Kanza playing together, I thought it was just a little quirk, like you know, oh yeah, we we like both of these players. Finally, they're playing together. I didn't think it was an agenda against Tyrone Mings. But tonight, after Martial scored, it was almost like proof for people. You know, get I saw people were actually like getting Mings off. Get they were saying get Mings and Traore off. You know, as if Mings was that big of a liability. And I know, like we we've talked about this loads. Like he, he's capable of a of a clusterfuck. He is, and like you know that that's happened a bit still this season, but like considerably less so this season. So he's actually getting better, and. These stuff are also like magnified when he's playing every single game. If Courtney House was playing as often as Mings, you'd soon sober up that opinion and that attitude of stop playing Mings, get housing, and then you would be like asking, why is our England player not playing instead of Courtney House, who would just be heading every every attacking corner over the bar for you and probably leading to more fuck ups? Like you know, House, we didn't ask House to play against United away. We asked him to play games that we really should be winning and games we really shouldn't be conceding big chances to or big errors to. And and on top of that, if you look at like Martinez's mad interception in the first half, the one where he comes out and dive dive he's a diving header about 20, 25 meters out from his own goals. Like that was Kanza and Cash that were cocking up. So these these cock ups happen. You just hope that they don't lead to goals. And I don't even think that Ming's he goes a bit deep again, but it's a good run from Juan Bissaka, and he puts the ball on the money to Martial, who's peeled out. It's good movement and a good finish. Like that's when it happened. You know, Mings is frustrating, but I think it's a bit over the top to say get him out of the team. I I think the Martial goal is a is a microcosm of the issues with Tyrone Mings and and why people dislike. I think mean, it's far too casual, and it's a persistent problem with him. Like he, he so often just seems like he's. He's more concerned with how he's perceived on the pitch or how he looks even, which is completely counterproductive for him because do you know how a footballer looks good on a football pitch? By playing fucking football well. It's it's not by by trying to seem like you're you're not fussed with what's happening around you, that you're really calm. You bring the calmness by winning the fucking ball back for your team if you're the centre half, not by trying to appear calm. And and this is the thing that annoys fans more than anything, at the risk of speaking for all fans. You know, if only I had a modicum of your talent, I would be a professional footballer because the effort and the heart I'd be putting into every game, and there's sometimes a bang of a lack of effort off Tyrone Mings because of this thing that he just seems like he he, he gives the impression that he he thinks that he's better than effort. And Tyrone Mings obviously tries really fucking hard. He's a professional footballer in the Premier League. He's an unbelievable condition. He tries his fucking heart out to get into that condition and to play for Aston Villa, but he just gives that air. And I think it's just, I think it's a, there's something wrong with his mind. Like, you know, he, he, he wants to, he wants to appear, he's self-conscious. He wants to appear like he's really confident, but he's not. Because if he was really confident, he would just be defending well for Aston Villa. It's a, uh... Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, I was actually very surprised at Gary Neville. So, do you remember there were there were two amazing clearances from from United that that probably is best summing up the difference 
between like yeah looking good by not looking good <laughs> you know what, what you're saying about Tyrone Mings and maybe another defender so Eric Bailly's diving header from Matty Cash's cross that was that was about to land right into Watkins's run lovely cross from Cash curling around the, the behind the defence and Bailly full straights diving heads it out for a, a corner and Neville was saying like you know it's desperate defending like he's right it was desperate defending but it was just brilliant defending and you know no less so than Juan Bissaka's lunge to get it away from El Gaz's head from Grealish's amazing ball around the corner and he just like dives out of his foot to volley it out for a corner. I think that's probably what Mings doesn't want to be doing because that, that suggests that he's he's caught or mm. you know he's scrambling or as Neville says desperate and like that's actually just really good and really suffocating for the opposition. Like there wasn't one part of me that thought, you know, Look at the state of those boys. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, for God's sake. And there was nothing I could complain about. You know, Gazi was sort of suggesting that the that it was high high feet from Wambasaka, but it wasn't. He was just flying across the air and poked it out away from his head. Um Yeah, like so like you're right, I, I get what you're saying. You know, and there was an instant I think we talked before about Mings, you know, just sort of wandering out of position or or hanging in the forward line. There was one stage where he was hanging out on the right wing and he's Villa's left centre back and he was just like Villa had turned the ball over I think you know it was a corner or whatever and then United had turned it over so the natural thing is for players to get back but once Villa turned it back over Mings just peeled out to the right wing and stood there for a while like looking for a cross field ball I was like what like, what are you doing like even even if that's on like you're not the person who should be there get out of the way and let somebody else be there but in saying that, I still think it's all a bit OTT. And I think, I, I, I was looking at Mings today, right, because I'm very quick now to ride Kanza and just be like, oh, what, like, everything he does is amazing. I was actually going to write down, like, I think he's better than Mings because he is sort of cleaning up for him a few times. But, again, I think if Kanza is doing the things that Mings does sometimes, I would be on top of him, like, in a good way, 10 times more. And I just think that, Mings is taken for granted a little bit because of those frustrations and I think the bottom line as well is what I'm trying to say is that I would never want Courtney Howes playing long term ahead of him No, that's an absolute non-starter like the Tyrone Mings is infinitely better than Courtney Howes the Eric Bailly and Armwan Bissaka, you know, they're brilliant, brilliant last ditch defenders, brilliant one-on-one defenders as well but you know, if we're sticking with Man United players they had a brilliant defensive partnership recently of Ferdinand and Vidic. And one of them was was like Eric Bailly. He was brilliant one-on-one, brilliant last-ditch defender. And then one of them was what Tyrone Mings thinks that he is and wants to be. He wants to be Rio Ferdinand. But Rio Ferdinand was never fucking bothered. He didn't care if he had to do a bit of Nemanja, Matic, or Nemanja Vidic defending as well. He would do it. That's the difference. Tyrone Mings never seems like he's willing to do the dirty work. He only wants to do the beautiful, elegant defending. He wants to seem like he hasn't been put on his arse. If you're putting your arse, fucking slide back, win the ball back. Don't just don't just pretend it hasn't happened. It's happened. Now fucking react it. Do a bit of dirty defending. It's fine. That's what he wants you to do. You're playing centre half for fuck's sake. Yeah. I think I think it comes down to John Terry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you know, he was getting loads of praise there before the Chelsea game just for the work he's doing apparently, and all the clean sheets that Villa were keeping. And you know, Villa's defensive record is still brilliant, but 
like again that's sort of what you're describing there like you know that's exactly what John Terry was brilliant at like John Terry literally tried to block a couple of balls that I remember with his head you know by diving down because it was a quicker way of trying to get to the ball by throwing his face in front of it um so he needs to like the, the solution here isn't to drop Tyrone Mings like that that's that's not the solution you know he's a good player you know he's our best defender technically so the solution is just to have a word of him tell him they cop on put a bit of pressure on him ask him a question the question is his appetite for it you know like that that's that's the way to go about it it's not just drop him and leave it at that because that would be strange and as soon as villa start showing cracks against better teams you know, which can happen against better teams, then you're going to be wondering, what, well, what are we doing? And then Dean Smith will be questioned for dropping his England international, his best defender. Um, but staying on the topic of defence, what, what the hell were United playing at for Villa's goal? So, like, Villa tried three times to play a quick free kick out to Grealish, and they're all just standing there. And it's it's the players that you, you would want to, or you would expect to be tuned in, like, McTominay, Fred, and Juan Bissaka. And for about, I think for about 15 seconds, Villa are trying to play this ball, and nobody reacts. Grealish is standing there on the left, going, yeah, give me it. Like, Dougie tried to play it to him, couldn't get it through, so McGinn came over and played it with his left, chipped it over to him. All the while, like, I saw a replay, and just Maguire, he's so pathetic looking. He's just standing there, looking at all that space out the right. Now, in fairness, Baye's there as well, and he's closest, and he's sort of pointing. But no, like, Maguire isn't losing his shit. De Gea isn't losing his shit. And I, like, I wrote all this down, excited, thinking, like, this should be, you know, th- this should be a big problem with United tonight. Now, Villa should at least get a point, and this should be the reason, is before we give away the penalty. Uh, and it's just emblematic of just the sort of apathy that, that United have, and the lack of bite, I think, and aggression that they have, an organisation, and the reason why I think that people are getting far too excited even though when you're saying joint top, it's sad anyway, um, but they're getting too excited too soon with United. Yeah, is, is there anything more gratifying than someone acting a prat and being shown up as a fucking prat? <laughs> what is Arm Basaka playing at? Imagine leaving Jack Grealish free from a dead ball situation, essentially inside your own box. Yeah. What a fucking idiot. And you're right, the two boys inside have to identify that as well. It's Jack fucking Grealish. Yeah. You know that must have spent 70 of the last 72 hours talking about him and how to <laughs> stop him. And you know how you don't fucking stop him? By letting him be stand free inside, a bo- inside the box from a dead ball that you've actually already slowed down. Yeah. Why? How the fuck has that happened? It's insane. <laughs> and this... Is this why I don't get as well? When I mentioned the three players, obviously Juan Bissaka, it's his man, it's his side, so he should be the one going over. But the two players with him, Fred and McTominay, who are there to try and snuff out Jack Reedus in the first place, it's like, you know, Bay and Maguire couldn't hope for two better players to be there that they can roar at and tell them to get the fuck over there because the player that we've spent 70 hours, the last 72 hours talking about, is completely free. Not only is he unmarked, there is there's nothing but space around him there and he does what you would expect him to do he set up a goal yeah and, and that, that's that, and that comes back to how how essentially frustrating tonight was because this United team is not good defensively they're even the players on paper are not very good either despite how much money was spent on them and if you can just keep it tight and not give away two silly goals or have two silly goals happen to you then then you'll beat them because sure as fucking night follows day 
that team is going to concede goals. They're they're diabolical on defence. What about Eric Bailly dropping to his knees in celebrations at the final whistle? And then all the subs running in and jumping around him and I know they're probably happy for him, but like, come on, like you've beaten Villa, move on. <laughs> this is uh sixteen games for them into the season. Like, oh lads, it's not a this is like almost a a Liverpool down at the cup end with West Brom after drama with West Brom, you're holding hands and saluting the cup. Like that, that's that's one of those moments, you know. I can just see it now when United go on a ten game streak of not winning and it's just replaying this clip over and over. United two, Villa one, and the subs all running in on top of each other as if they've just won a cup. Yeah, it was pathetic. You, you, you don't celebrate a game like that at this time of the season. Like you did, they didn't really deserve to win that game. A draw was probably the fair outcome because of the two goals you know that happened to get. But like celebrating that was pathetic. Last minute block by Bay, yeah, that adds a bit of excitement to it. But yeah, fucking grow up. <laughs> all right, what's up, Winges next? Trezeguet has lost his belly. <laughs> Full stop. That's uh, the only thing I can say to that is I'm surprised you could tell because I didn't realize Trezeguet was playing. So I didn't see him on the pitch, so I don't know how you didn't see his belly. <laughs> All right, let's see if you can guess what this one was, Liam. What the fuck is that? <laughs> that could be any number of things, Connor. <laughs> it could be. No, it's, it's, it's obscure enough, but not obscure. There's your clue. <laughs> uh, Matt Target kicking the ball away. Very close. It's um, Bertrand Terori kicking the ball away. It's, uh, the free kick that he won. Just uh. in the corner of the box. That amazing position. You basically got a corner. 18 yards further in. <laughs> You're right on the corner of the box. And oh, the worst. Like I, I wouldn't even mind if it went over everybody and went out wide, you know, with a zipping, curling effort. But yeah, like ballooned it. Like, like a really bad corner, you yeah. know, which he really didn't need to do because he was 10 metres away from everybody. And then, and then United go down and score from it. Like that was the most annoying thing. Villa have a chance to, to keep pressure on them for a few minutes. And he's just ballooned it over, drawed a position, bang, goal. I actually think the most annoying thing about that was that the camera or the replays even didn't go back to Jack Grealish's face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was um. There's a stage there where I'm starting to think, are Villa the worst attacking set piece takers in the league? Because yeah. like, I think it's such a waste of Jack Grealish having him standing looking at Bertrand Rory do this, and. Every time they go short of a corner now, I'm way more excited because I just don't expect anything to come of the ones that they put into the box. Okay. I think they should just be going short all the time and just try to play with Grealish. Like, they've got Grealish in an attacking position. Like, surely that's the, the best percentage play. Surely Aston Villa have the best set-piece takers in the country because they have about fucking nine of them. It seems <laughs> every game there's somebody else. Matty Cash and Matt Target were whipping them in tonight as well. Like, what? Jesus Christ. Add them to the list. It's insane. <laughs> How many people have given it a go for Villa? And they actually do create a fair amount of chances. Unfortunately, whenever that happens, they normally miss as well. <laughs> so yeah. They're either fucking ballooning out of play for a counter-attack or they're 
just fucking heading it over the bar. Dreadful. <laughs> All right, second, what's up, Wings? I'm starting to question Ross Barkley's appetite now. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm fucked off. Like I think everybody is. They were all expecting. They were like the only chatter today was, is he going to come straight into the team or will he start the bench? Why why change a winning team? Blah blah blah. And he's not even on the fucking bench. Like pathetic. Like he, like there has to come a stage where it's like you either want to play or you don't. I get that you might be have a little strain, but like you get you you nicked your hamstring trying to take a free kick about nine weeks ago. Like how how much do you like? Where's your threshold? Like, are you are you going to try and push through this and play a match? And and like, there's not another match for twelve days now. And I know what you're saying. Oh, like you know that's that's why they're not playing him. Why you risk it? But play him there. And if he needs a break, he's got twelve days break. Like that's a point that we've just given up. And it would have been so much more useful having him there because ah, Greenish was brilliant anyway. Like, but he was snuffed out for a lot of it because of the way United were setting up and trying to block that. That central channel where Grealish has to play because Ross Barkley isn't there. So frustrating. Yeah, no, it, it is frustrating. I don't think it's frustrating because Ross Barkley is what you're implying. I think it's frustrating just because he's a very good player who's been missing for seven or eight games. I'm going to have to trust the medical team that Ross Barkley's hamstring hasn't fully healed from what I assume must have been a bad tear and he's not just sitting back on the couch enjoying his little, his little return to... Is it return to London to sit in his apartment? I, I just thought there would be an element of him itching to get back because like, you know, Villa are going well. He's a good, he, he's been playing well. You don't what? know that he's not itching to get back. Well, <laughs> I do because he's not playing. He's not even on the fucking bench. And like the, the Euros around the corner, like he's running out of time for that every game that passes. This is a big match at Old Trafford. Come on, where's your, where's your appetite for it? Suck it up. Like John McGinn would be playing that match. If he had that same hamstring injury, he would be playing that much. I, I, if he had the same hamstring injury, he wouldn't be playing the same match, obviously, because Ross Barkley's not playing it. I, like the first, the first WhatsApp wings I had about Ross Barkley was that he doesn't like it up him, and I think, <laughs> I think what's what we're seeing now over the last few weeks is that that might be bang on. Uh, I, I think you're reacting badly to a. To a, a defeat tonight, you're you're blaming Ross Barkley for a game he wasn't even involved in. Essentially, he's <laughs> he's he's getting all your angst from this game, even though he wasn't there. And what the fuck's wrong with Trezeguet? That is a more interesting one. I actually have absolutely no idea. He was just split open. I thought that last game, and he, he seemed a bit concussed. Actually, he seemed more than a bit concussed. He was all over the fucking place. Um, he was trying to run back onto the pitch with half a pint of blood running out of his head, but. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I have a lot more sympathy if you wanted to go down that road because I haven't heard of his injury anyway. And Wesley, a year ago today, he got injured. A, a year, year ago. He's, he's been back training about a year. A, a, exactly. A year ago today, he said nearly back. Fuck's <laughs> sake. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still disappointed with Barkley. It has to come a stage. Like, uh, this is weird because I watched the Spurs documentary and I thought, what an asshole Jose Mourinho is because every time the physio came to talk to him, Mourinho was just like pissed off that this boy would even suggest that somebody was injured. And now <laughs> suddenly I've become Jose Mourinho. Like, I don't think I'm cut out for Premier League management. Um, no, neither do I after this conversation. <laughs> Does no one realise that Harry McFucking Guire is playing centre-back for United? 
So what was more irritating? Was it the lack of exposing Harry Maguire or the lack of going after Eric Bailly once he got that yellow card? Once he got that really fucking stupid yellow card that was borderline red? I think it was the lack of going after Maguire who ended up getting a yellow card as well. Mm. Uh, you know, it just... I, I'd rather go after Maguire without a yellow card than Bailly with a yellow card <laughs> just because I think you get more change out of it still. Yeah, like, yeah, it's it was... It was it was a bizarre decision to not target that steamliner in the middle of Man United's defence, <laughs> and the the players at Villa have as well should just be twisting him inside and out. And even when he had the ball as well, there wasn't enough pressure because if you put pressure on Harry Maguire when he gets the ball, we've all seen what he can do. Fucking nothing. Yeah, so that, I thought even that was strange, offensively and defensively, to not go after him. Yeah, it was really annoying. That's actually a good point because there was a stage I know you're you start getting desperate when you're behind for a long period and I was I just remembered oh fuck United like give away a lot of chances I was like where, like where is that pressure like where where are the traps like I know it's way easier when you're in a championship and teams like you can even see United when you try to pen them in the corner they get out well like they're they're a bunch of good players who obviously are obviously coached uh well i'm trying to negate social from that praise but like just when you're playing at united you're going to have good coaches around you who can get you out of some situations like the mcguire like there was no target in mcguire or let him have it or there was nothing like that mcguire didn't once seem to be caught on the ball with no decisions or with no options and like it was just frustrating that villa weren't trying to get a couple of hand-me-downs from him or de gea even <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It was it was a, it was a strange decision because the amount of times I've seen Harry Maguire this season just standing ponderously on the ball, looking up the field, <laughs> desperately pleading for some help or even just some movement from some of his players, and that didn't seem to happen tonight as often. You know, we're playing two two deeper midfielders than they often do against what people would perceive as weaker opposition. So maybe that helped. He was able to move the ball on a lot quicker, but. And as well, I don't know if you saw the Wolves game, but United were absolutely dreadful in that game. And they were so slow and moving the ball. So I'm sure that was ringing in their ears tonight as well before it even thought was to get the fucking ball moving because they could not have been worse against Wolves. Yeah. Um, next one. Do you know the way if you watch Sky Sports News for a long period of time, you start seeing you know, the same stats coming up on the side over and over, like, you know, most chances created, player who's fouled the most, blah, blah, blah. Is Paul Pogba hoping that one day stats will come up on the side for the most dummies leading to chances? <laughs> what the fuck was he thinking for that one as well? I mean, that would be a lot more understandable if he wasn't prime position to strike <laughs> that ball. And even more understandable again if it wasn't fucking Fred coming charging in from 25 yards behind him. Like, do me a fucking favour. Hit that. Yeah. He used to be the most expensive footballer in the world. And you're dummying it for Fred. Fucking hell, you're on the penalty spot. It's on your right foot. You haven't been closed down. Tyrone Mings has gone for a wee wander into his own net. Have a fucking shot. <laughs> this, this is the thing... Uh... As well that you forget sometimes, you know, when you're talking about Pogba, do you keep him? Do you not? Like, where do you play him? Where's his best position? It's like, he was bought to take United on to the next level. Like, he was bought to sort of stop those questions about everybody else. Like, you know, now, now we're getting serious. We've, we've brought Pogba back. Pogba back. And, and there he is, deferring to Fred. 
And, and not only that, right? yeah, as you say, he's passing up the prime position for the better player. And then it's the ball's going further out, worse angle, uh, less pace on the delivery now because it's travelled further. And it's to Fred. And then he looks so upset that Fred has, like, you know, upset his piece of genius. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was the second time he dumped it as well when he shouldn't have. And it, he's doing that a lot in games. Like, he thinks it's just, it, it's almost like the, the attacking midfield version of Tyrone Mings. You know, just what, what will make me look coolest here, regardless of effect. And Paul Pogba thinks stepping over the ball because nobody expect nobody expected it because you should have scored. That's why nobody expected it. <laughs> yeah, and Paul Pogba is an enigma, and we're not we're not the first people to talk about this. Like, Paul Pogba has got all the talent in the world, but he his decision making is absolutely abhorrent. And the most frustrating thing about it is that he is also capable of moments of unbelievable create creative genius as well, which makes you think, how can he not do that all the time? How can he not see that dummying a ball for Fred 25 yards out isn't the best thing to do in this situation? <laughs> Whenever you see him play some of the beautiful hidden passes that we've seen him play before, he obviously knows what makes a good move and what makes a good pass. Yeah. So to see him do that is just, it's just inexplicable. And bizarre as well given the unbelievable technical ability that that man has his left foot is better than most people's right foot he's absolutely and like we've, we all we all know there's people with two feet who can you know have a shot inside the box on their bad foot there's very few people in the world in world football if anybody who can play an 80 yard pass with their bad foot like paul pogba can the man is insanely talented and despite how much we're ribbing him here he was he was actually very good tonight and i think Solskjaer might have stumbled onto his actual best position, which is playing him in the forward line. But unfortunately for United, that's also their best player. Yeah. Their second best player, Marcus Rashford's best position as well. So so Solskjaer's gonna have to figure out how to how to figure that out, but to be honest, I don't really care. <laughs> but like there is there, there's something about that where I, I probably was alright, but you know, part of me was thinking there was there was instances before the penalty, especially where it was just like ah, like Louise has no respect for this man. It's class. Mm. <laughs> you know, he's just turning away from him. He's nicking the ball off him. Pogba was still giving it his bit as well. But like, just the optics of having Rashford moves over to the right to accommodate him was weird. And like, could they not just play Pogba on the right? Like, does Pogba need to be on the left for the way he's playing? You know, Rashford had a couple of chances there that only Rashford. Could have created in the United team now. Martial could have as well, but you know he doesn't anymore. <laughs> and he was coming on to his left because of it, you know. And it was just like Pogba could be doing all the exact same things he was doing, dummy and shots essentially on the on the right of that attack rather than left. Anyway, we don't need to get into who, who gives a fuck. You're right. <laughs> um, next one. I missed the water bricks. <laughs> Just, just from a viewer point of view, like not even from a breaking momentum, like I think Villa were on top from for most of the first half. Just uh, like I need a time to go to the toilet. You need your own water break, is it? No, I definitely don't fucking miss the water breaks, and the water breaks typically benefit the teams with the the better backroom staff and the better managers. So it might it might have helped Villa tonight. Um, but no, definitely from a viewer perspective, I can I can hold it in. Con, I've got I've got enough mental fortitude. 
to just <laughs> take my bladder to the point of explosion. Um, last one. Why do Sky insist on having Manchester United fans on the show? And like, I don't mean the ex-players. I don't mind have all the ex-players you want on the show. But like, do you actually have fans? Like, Patrice Evra and Andy Cole are just supporters and they're unashamed about that. Like, there, there's a stage there where Andy Cole said, like, these are his exact words, Paul Pogba is a great player. We've just got to try to get the best out of him now. <laughs> <laughs> You're not there in a capacity as a United supporter. We can pull in any idiot off the street to do that. You're there, like, sometimes, like, we, we criticise Neville for, you know, for obviously having a little thing for Solskjaer and a little blind spot. But he's, he's, not, he's not that bad and he never says we. And you know when he, he tries to be objective, and you know, we know we know Neville and Carragher's roles, or we know there's backgrounds, but again, they're both trying to be objective and trying to, you know, present themselves as pundits, not fans. And I can't believe that the biggest show in England is not having a word of these people before they come in or prepping them. Yeah, but even tonight there was a moment where Gary Neville, and I can't even remember what it was, where Gary Neville was having a little giggle about something that happened that was fortuitous for Man United. That's just like, like piss off, mate. Just yeah. hold that in oh, or God, turn off your mic. Have the giggle, but, you know, cover your mic. You can do anything there. Like, the viewer at home isn't interested in your little amusement. You nudge your commentator there and have it with him. I don't fucking want to hear it. Yeah. I've just been really lucky. Fuck off. <laughs> but this is the thing as well. And there's, there's a pro- proliferation of Man United uh, analysts and co-commentators at the minute just born out of the fact that they were the most successful team a sufficient amount of time ago for those players to have now retired and have moved into into commentary or analysis. The same thing happened, you know, 15, 20 years ago with Liverpool as well, where the, the TV was just full of them. And the same thing will happen in 20 years' time whenever it's full of Villa players. <laughs> oh, not in tonight's show. Not in tonight's show. I, I burst onto the scene, didn't I? And I was going to be the next best thing. Oh, who, who was it that said? There was an interview somebody recently and they said that he's always positive. It was Mika Richards. Hold on, I played for England at 18. Youngest ever defender to play for England. It was Mika Richards. He was talking on Sky Sports and he said he's always positive. Sometimes you wish he wasn't as positive. Like he almost he said he was too nice. Right. What do you think, Lord? I think Mika Richards should shut the fuck up. <laughs> what the fuck has Mika Richards ever done for Aston Villa? <laughs> Dean, Dean Smith got Aston Villa promoted from 14th in the championship? Mika Richards was just there collecting 40 grand a week while that was all happening. (laughs) He's just brilliant. He's just top. What a guy to work with you are, honestly. The Peter Inkelman What the Fuck Award. We already talked about Douglas Louise. Uh, Whether or not you think it was a foul on Pogba just putting himself in that position and leaving himself open like that. Yeah, I still think it's his fault and it doesn't need to be 
we don't need to be given a penalty from that situation. And he's the reason that it was given away. And it's a shame because he had such a good game, I thought. And the only other nomination I have for this is Matt Target chasing Rashford at the end. <laughs> Rashford was going to the corner to waste time until he realized that Target wasn't going to catch him. So <laughs> Rashford sort of didn't know what to do. Like whether or not he should cut in then and have a chance. Because he, sort, he actually sort of stopped about 20 metres away from the corner and turned back to look at Target, trying his harder to make up ground, and it just wasn't happening. And then United ended up having a shot, I think. I can't remember who had the shot, but like Villa had the ball, and you can hear the commentator say, oh, I wonder will United regret that? And he just gave Villa another chance to get back up the pitch, and of course he got the Keenan Davis chance. Um, All that because Rashford didn't know what to do because Target couldn't catch him. I don't know who to blame it. <laughs> who's who's nominated here, Target or Rashford, but it was fucking hilarious. Uh, I, so the first one, I, I, we didn't need to give away a penalty, but you know we also don't need to give Douglas Louise an award that's born out of the, a goalkeeper letting the ball slide under his foot and into the net for just getting too tight to somebody and getting his legs tangled. I don't think they're in the same category as each other. <laughs> and for all the things we slag off target for, I don't think I don't think not being as fast as Marcus Rashford is one. <laughs> I don't think we yeah. I don't think we're on good ground. There's plenty of people in the world who aren't as fast as Marcus Rashford. So yeah, again, I think that's that's even a bit harsh. I think much like the Pulitzer Prize, whenever there isn't an award or there isn't a piece of work of sufficient quality, I don't think the Peter Ankleman award can be given this this game. I like it. It's ballsy. <laughs> I, I don't think I'll, I'll, I'll like you taking this approach too often, <laughs> but, but I will give you one veto per month. Thank you. And uh, I think it can be used here, but considering that I just had Louise written down for the whole time, and again, not knowing if he should be there, and then I just threw Target in the 94th minute just because I was that pissed off. And then, you know, I, I was already like sort of annoyed at how things were going, and then just seeing the sight of him trying to track back and not getting there in time was just tipping me over the edge. <laughs> I mean, that was perhaps the result and not and not the fact that Matt Target isn't as fast as Rashford. <laughs> well, all right, this is actually a good segue into a new category. The Paul Lambert, I'm delighted with our performance. I'm fed up with this shit award. <laughs> so basically, after every single game that Villa lost, Lambert would come out and praise the performance and everybody just got fed up hearing it and you'll often if people even criticize Dean Smith when things weren't going good of sounding like Paul Lambert Steve Bruce definitely got it all the time so I've got four nominations for the Paul Lambert I'm delighted of our performance I'm fed up with the shit award Jack Grealish spending minutes literal minutes in games protesting with officials yeah there was he was very very annoyed in the first half in that game, and that was obviously just down to the fact that he was wasn't able to get himself into the game. I mean, that was, I thought that was a very strange, very strange game from Jack Grealish. In what was, I would say, his worst performance of the season. It's just, the funny. It, it's hard. Like, sorry, sorry to cut you off. We we've had this a few times now. Especially remember when England played Ireland and everyone was riding them. Uh, tonight, like Villa on Sky, they're playing United, so instantly you have hundreds of thousands of extra viewers. And everyone's praising Jack Grealish and what a player he is, and he deserves to be playing at the top level. And you know, it's it's unbelievable. And you're looking at it, going, "I'm thinking, geez, United did a good job in, in keeping Jack Grealish quiet, even though 
he still created about three chances that should have been scored. Yeah, and that's it. Like, so it was it was very strange. His worst performance, he was still managed to create loads of chances. Just how effective he is. And I know for most players, like you know, Troy was doing that, but had the same game as as Jack Grealish. I know in this podcast you would be slagging him off and I would be defending him because that's what I want him to be, just be effective at the other end of the pitch. But when it's Jack Grealish, you just want so much more. You want him to be that crazy wild card in the opposition's boxes, creating loads of chances, but you also want him just dictating the entire game. He essentially has to play as a number six, a number eight, and a number ten. He's so good. Uh but yeah, he, he he got himself very angry for a lot of that game, and it, that was it's, it. Never works out for him. Whenever Jack really gets himself angry, it's not like you know he uses that. It just seems to make him drift or go back far too deep to get on the ball. Then to prove yeah. that he's better than everybody, never seems to work out for him until he just calms himself down, gets himself back into position in the opposition's half, and Villa just get the ball to him again. Whenever he's just drift, drifting in between the two centre halves where Douglas Louis should be, it's 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 really annoying to watch and I just end up shouting at the screen as much as he's shouting at the officials. Yeah, and I feel like he, he starts obviously he's gonna have that anyway because of the standard that he plays at, but he just starts turning on the teammates a bit quicker. Like and he doesn't do this completely, but I feel like he's not far away from like, you know, sort of down in tools in some passages of play. You know, just it just seems like he's a bit fed up with some of them sometimes when he gets into that mindset. And he's annoyed that they're not giving him the same sort of support that that they could be giving him. But yeah, like it's just it's just something that I've noticed that just going or like not don't even go, just, just calm down, stay there, and the ball will come to you eventually. And then when it comes to you, just just get it in a nice, calm, tranquil mindset. Second nomination for this, uh, that I'm fed up with a shit award. Villa lumping the ball high and wide with every centre. Like no imagination goes back to the centre back and then they just lump it out to the wing and try to flick it on. Never works. And it's just like, well, can we not just try to keep the ball? And you know, you, you essentially have the other team pen back. Just try and keep the ball and, and work something or get it back to the keeper. You know, it just seems a bit, a bit bleh. Yeah, I mean, if we if we thought that was a good game plan, we'd be doing it for the whole game because there's nothing to stop <laughs> you from doing that. And you've got the ball unopposed in your own half. If that happened during the game, there's no way we would expect Tyrone Mings just to hook one out to the wing. We'd expect him to pass it around and draw out Man United. It's it's really frustrating. Man United do it as well, though. Like the, Harry Maguire did it in the first half and just kicked the ball out of play. It's like, what, what the fuck are you doing? Do you think this is a good approach to breaking down a team? You think you're going to catch them out when they've got 11 men behind the ball? Yeah. Grow up, pass the ball around. That's what you think you should... That's what you're doing for the rest of the 90 minutes. Why are you not doing it now? I've just seen other teams like keep the ball from, and it looks very easy. It's just the way they can move another player back away from the ball, and you know, and then suddenly you've got the ball in midfield with the other team all penned in. Like when when teams do it, it looks very simple. I don't know why Villa aren't trying to do it. But anyway, um, that takes me on to something similar. Uh, third nomination: Mings kicking the ball 30 yards behind everyone at every <laughs> single opportunity. Yeah, this is this is a real this is a new thing in Tyrone Mings' game this season, and maybe even just after the lockdown period. Every time he gets the ball, he just he just boots it up the field with very little consideration, it seems. And yeah. Villa have been very lucky this season that that it's Ollie Watkins that's up top because he generally gets himself close enough to the defender or gets his head close enough to the ball 
that it doesn't always just end up being an absolute waste of time. But most of the time, it's just, it's bizarre. And it's definitely born out of the fact that Villa have been told to play this delicate, to have this delicate balance between keeping the ball and sticking to their philosophy of passing the ball around and also cutting out stupid fucking errors from the back four. So Tyrone Mings hasn't, hasn't got the balance yet. He's, he's still just booting it forward far too often. And it always seems to be him. It always seems to be him that whenever Villa get themselves into trouble passing the ball out from the back, it's him that's the the option of last resort, just hooking one up the pitch. And the last nomination, I'm fed up with this shit as well, is Villa getting done in their second six-yard box every time. So we thought it was class, Dean Smith, talking about that six-yard space in front of the six-yard box, but... I just can't get over how often Villa are getting caught out with the ball into that area. And like Martial ran in there, scored a goal. Pogba ran in there, should have scored a goal. And meanwhile, your defence, who are all in the six-yard box, you're just watching it happen. Like they should be able to see as well that there's nobody else coming as backup. Yeah, they they need to they need to talk about it a lot more. It was good to hear Dean Smith talking about it last week. But hopefully that's not the last time he talks about it because the message hasn't sunk in yet. No, it hasn't. So what do you, what do you think? Grealish, Villa lumping the ball from the centres, getting done by the six-yard boxes, or Mings just kicking the ball 30 yards behind everyone? It's funny, even though the goals is the thing that obviously has the biggest impact on my mental health, or should be the thing, I, I actually think it's, it's Tyrone Mings just hooking the ball forward that annoys me the most, because it yeah. happens a lot more often. It happens so often. It's, it's definitely been happening the longest as well. So... It's it's prime to win this award in its first week. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm happy to give it to Mings for this as well. Like I think of all the things that I'm fed up with, like that's definitely the, the at the top. The Vyman meter going up. John McGinn thought it was his best game of the season. The amount of balls he won back. I've never seen Bruno Fernandez so quiet. I think Douglas Ruiz has a big part to play in that. They actually moved Bruno out to the left in the second half. And McGinn's passing was good. Cut like his arse was Coming into question very early on, it's like, oh, no, like that, that could have been, I'm fed up with this shit award. Mm. But um, I thought it was brilliant. Just nicked the ball back loads of times and, and got Villa going. Yeah, his first minute, he, he, I was thinking, we're going to have to, we're going to have to have a chat about John McGinn's arse on the podcast because he is obsessed with using it. But he, he only, it was only in the first minute where he really cocked up, desperately lunging across about seven yards of space, leaving the ball there until it rolled him, just so he could put his arse up against, I think it was Paul Pogba. It was bizarre, but he was absolutely fucking brilliant after that. And that, that amazing pass that Gary Neville was drooling over the outside of his boot out to Matty yeah. Cash summed up his performance. He was, he was brilliant, so full of energy, really good quality on the ball. Used his arse to good effect on De Gea a few times. And uh, yeah, no, he, he was very good. He was very good. Him and Dougie were were class, especially I'd say between after about 15 minutes to the end of the first half, they were Villa's only players. Yeah. And despite the fact that Villa weren't playing at all and were only playing with those two, Man United weren't very dangerous and that was because those two gave Villa a really strong foothold in the game and they did dominate a a midfield that has Fernandes in it and a forward line that had Pogba dropping into that midfield area as well. So like for two players that are so effective going forward, it's amazing to see that they're also able to contain two players of that undoubted quality. And just an honourable 
just an honourable mention for Emmy Martinez as well. Um, obviously, he can't go up any further on this meter as of now. So I just wanted to mention, like the interceptions that he's doing again, coming out, rushing out from from the back, reading the game like he does, and a couple of great saves, great hands again. Uh, there was one where De Gea pounced away, and I just thought, <laughs> you know, if Martinez was there, yeah, and I thought this is the United goalkeepers, De Gea, like he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world for for a while. Um. Yeah, so just just wanted to mention Martinez going down on the Weimar meter, and this is this is actually very harsh. It should be it actually would be going up this week, but for this new rule, every time I said that players should be docked wages every time they do it, every time they cross the ball out for a goal kick, you're going to go down automatically on the Weimar meter from now on, and that's just that's that's just. A rule now that I can't get around, and Matt Cash for that reason is going down. Ah, come on! Matt Cash was absolutely brilliant tonight. <laughs> I didn't make up the rule. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about the rule, Liam. Imagine, Matt Cash was incredible. Like he was on the ball, he was brilliant, and that's what caught the eye of Gary Neville, and then later on of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when he was pathetically bringing on Daniel James for Bruno <laughs> Fernandez. Imagine a manager doing that. Like Jesus Christ. Do me a fucking favor. Uh, yeah, uh, he was amazing. Like He had that great shot as well from the edge of the box. He had a beautiful cross in for Tyrone Mings, I think it was. Um, yeah. And also then doing the work of two men in a defensive situation. Uh, I don't care what the rule is. Matt Cash isn't going down. Yeah, that's sort of why I um, I say he's definitely going up. Like, you know, in, in reality, like... He is doing the work of two men, and I was going to put Ferrari going down just because he can't be relied on, like especially against better teams on the right hand side. He just falls asleep. It's not his fault. He just can't do it. And uh, like he, he was trying, like you can tell that he was switched on today, but it's it just it just can't it can't be switched on the whole time. He doesn't seem to understand when they're going to move and where they're going to move, and it's so obvious for us watching it. But uh, Ferrari just doesn't see it. Cash sees it. Cash is pointing all the time, and then Cash is trying to recover for the two of them. It's um, it's it's a lot of work that Cash is being asked to do, and I don't know if it's a way forward against better teams. Yeah, I mean, it's the classic thing as well. You know, if you're playing with somebody who isn't good at football, you just don't give out to them. And it's the same thing with Bertrand Troy. You can't give out to him about this because he just he's just never going to have it. He's never going to have that that cop on for understanding when somebody's moving in behind him. And it's really strange as well because oftentimes attackers can be really good in defend, defensive situations because they know exactly what they would want to be happening. They know exactly who they want to be switching off, what positions they want to be taking up. So all you have to do is think of the pitch in reverse. <laughs> well, what would you want to be happening here? Don't <laughs> let it happen. That's, that's all you have to do. It's, I think it's bizarre whenever, whenever forwards can't defend. So I, I don't have them going down. They're just... For the fact of the goal and like a lovely tee up for Matty Cash, who who tried a cross, I think, but that's that went out for for a goal kick. Uh, per Watkins is sitting there waiting with a with a gaping goal, but the only other player I have going down is Ollie Watkins. Forced a good save from De Gea when he he did everything right. He had a back cross goal from Grealish's ball, but then he, he missed one from Grealish, which is four yards out. I know the ball's high, but he's got a run on the defender, I want him to put that away, and then the final straw for me was just missing from the corner, the, the ball went the whole way around to the back post, 
and he just seemed to judge the flight run and he the ball was like at his chest as, as he's trying to head it and he heads it into the ground and out for a corner and or out for a goal kick and he just tired anyway now that's understandable but give away a couple of balls as well again when you're chasing that stuff is just uh, intensified watching on I just thought like you know Watkins is doing everything right I wrote a love letter to him after the Crystal Palace match said I don't care about his goals but if he wants to score goals he's getting chances and he's not putting them away yeah, I, the one the 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 one that the hair saved. I mean, I think the commentator was very definitely working for Sky Sports there, like you know, trying to make that seem a lot more dramatic than it actually was. Claiming it was a brilliant save from the hair. It's a really bad header from Watkins. He, he does the right thing. He puts it back towards, puts it back in the direction the cross has come from, but it's far too high. I mean, like the head, yeah. the head dives into the air and you know pushes his arm up. Emmy Martinez catches that. It's a, it's a terrible header. Uh, it has to go towards the ground, or if it puts it down at any sort of an angle, then it goes in because the hair is all over the place. Um, the one, the the other header from Jack Reed is just lovely little cross. Ah, like it, he's stretching for that. Like that's that's yeah. the one that most people will miss. Like if he scores it, it's a brilliant header. And then the other one, Paul was a big, big man jumping in front of him that catches his eye rather than just the ball. I can understand that as well. But yeah, he, he's a centre forward. He has to score one of those three chances. I think. I think towards the end of the game, he was definitely fucking knackered. There was one where he yeah. was just standing on the ball, and he try he has tries to have a look around, and he just somehow yeah. manages to toe poke it to to Harry Maguire, who's followed him out to the halfway line as well. So there's <laughs> obviously a huge gap in the middle of United's defense because their captain is a fucking brain dead moron, and he just gives the ball to Harry Maguire. That was so that was unforgivable, especially with a pace that Villa had on the pitch at that time as well. And there was one a couple out in the wing as well where he was just dilly dying. I think I think he was wrecked. I think he, I think he's he's found the the last period pretty tough, and it showed towards the end of that game. He also didn't play off Maguire once. Like I know a lot of those play goes down the left, especially when Grealish is there. So you're naturally going to come across as a centre forward. But like, we're we're talking about exposing Maguire. Like, we, I think you and I watched the. Uh, was the Leicester City match? Like Maguire just falls over at times. Like you know, <laughs> somebody, somebody runs at him. He doesn't seem to to know what to do or get his feet right. And I just would have liked to have seen Watkins just move one step over and play off Maguire instead of Bailey, who, as you said, is a good one-on-one defender. <laughs> somebody who's the exact opposite of that is right beside him. So go over and play off him. And he didn't. He didn't do it. He didn't seem to want to do it. Or like, yeah, I don't know. Was he thinking about it much? I would I, like to think about it. I wonder as well, though, is it just like yeah? If you think about it logically, I would much rather prefer off Harry, much rather play off Harry Maguire. But I wonder when you get out onto the pitch, Harry Maguire is fucking massive, and then he's got that head on top of that big unit as well. Like you know, he's a huge man. I wonder if you just psychologically can you just not help but go towards what seems like the weaker player from a physical point of view. I don't know. I, I it was I I couldn't explain it anyway because. Eric Bailly is rapid, and he is he lunges in. Maybe that maybe that was a part of the aspect as well that maybe he thought he could expose by his tendency to dive in. I don't know. I think it was yeah. I definitely be playing off Harry Maguire. <laughs> yeah. Um, just one mention for the Dean Smith quote of the week. Emmy Martinez tweeting out half an hour ago, and he's just tweeted out the Paul Pogba penalty incident with a highlight of the game and an angry emoji. <laughs> and he's he's quote tweeted Ty Bracey, who has 
who has put out a tweet saying, player foiled Paul Pogba, foiled by Paul Pogba, penalty to United. And yeah. slow-mo with Pogba seemingly tripping himself up. Yeah, fair, fair play to Emmy Martin, that's putting that out. Like, yeah, I, I honestly don't think there's any there's any way Michael Oliver's given that in the middle of the pitch. I think he would just be waving Paul Pogba up. But it just looks so much like a foil. Like, you know, I know we were yeah. a lot further away than Michael Oliver is, but it's, it's a, that, foil has been, that foil has happened thousands of times across thousands of games in the history of football. Just like the centre midfielder has done himself by sucking himself in too deep and then just gets turned in the box by a nimbler player. And I can see why Michael Oliver gave it. But it's just, ah, it's so fucking soft. Why did you bring that penalty back up? <laughs> Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Is Mings worse than Harry Maguire from attacking set pieces? <laughs> yeah, from an Irish perspective as well, you know, there's, there's Shane Duffy who gets on a lot of balls from set pieces. Yeah. Always fucking misses. Same with Courtney House. It seems to be a problem with teams that I follow, Ireland and Villa, just fucking missing chance after chance from set pieces whenever whenever the set piece taker hasn't just ballooned it out of play or ballooned it off the, or kicked it straight off the first man. Sure as shit, the centre half is going to just header it out of play themselves. That, that, that was a huge chance. I, that was probably Villa's biggest chance other than the goal, the one that Mings missed. Because he did yeah. so well to get onto it. Bullied Harry Maguire. Like, that, surely that's the harder thing to do there. And then just heads it wide, pathetically. And a good example of Maguire falling over under a bit of pressure. <laughs> I know he, he was bullied. And Mings does well to get his head on us. Yeah, but you think once he's got it on, just put it away. He had that big chance as well. What was the game? Oh, what was the game? Villa pushing for an equaliser. I think it was West Ham. Mm. And Mings had just flicked it wide. Like, you know, with a bit of a big opportunity again. Your big defender. Go do it. Shut everybody up. Um... Is Keenan Davis planning on ever scoring a fucking goal? I don't think he is. <laughs> I, I don't think he has any interest in that. I think he just likes getting on there, using his back, being being a strong presence, making hard runs, and then just missing. He has no interest in ever scoring in the Premier League, it seems. Which is, which is an interesting career choice for a centre-forward. <laughs> you know, it's a brave one, so we'll give him that. Let's see how it works out for him. Interesting fact, I don't know if anybody's pointed this out. Um, Keenan Davis is the cheapest striker on fantasy football, which is strange. It, it is strange for somebody who would get game time. Like Normally, it's just players who have no minutes. But the reason for that is, and I know this because I had him in my team earlier in the year, he was down as a midfielder initially. <laughs> so midfielders can go down to 4 million. They're usually the cheapest strikers, 4.5 million. Um, so they've been trying to very slowly move Keenan Davis up, but obviously that gives them a good reason to put up his value. So it's at 4.3 million at the minute for a striker. But the fact that they didn't know his position should have been enough for him. They want to come on and score a fucking goal at some stage. That tells you everything you need to know about Keenan Davis's threat. <laughs> um, was Bruno Fernandes only fed up coming off because it was Daniel James coming on for him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting one because I, I assume a lot of people who are listening to a football podcast also watch a lot of football, but I watch a lot of football. And because Man United are Man United, they're on a lot. I have seen Daniel James play a lot of football and he is fucking useless. 
that one he had soon after he came on where he just trickled the shot into Emmy Martinez. Like he, he, exactly what he wants to happen happens. He gets a counter attack and he turns inside and then he just hooks one with his right foot, just trickles across the ground yeah. like a rolling pee into Emmy Martinez's hand. That's what Daniel James is. Shit. <laughs> yeah, he's he's pathetic. And like I think there should have been alarm bells going. I don't think Ed Woodward would have a lot of alarm bells or the capability for them, but you know, when it was only Leeds United who were competing with him to sign Daniel James, like championship Leeds United who didn't get promoted that year. And, you know, is United beat Leeds United to, to the signing of Daniel James? Like that should have been like, oh hang on. Why is nobody else interested in this player? Hmm. Offers nothing. Yeah, and that that, that goes back to just a, a wider problem with United here that they should be thinking about. They're all they're celebrating being top of the table tonight. But in a game to, against a team that finished 17th last season, they were absolutely hanging on towards the end. I mean, they brought off their best player for Daniel James. They brought on Nemanja Matic and they brought on Axel Twinsaby for a, for a centre midfielder. Like They were clinging on. If Man United yeah. think they've achieved a lot by going top of the table tonight, they're, they're, going, to be, they're going to be fairly badly shocked towards the end of the season. Finally... When will football fans show more imagination than asking where will a top player be next season? You know, all, all I'm seeing is where will Grealish be next year? Grealish deserves to be playing top level football. They don't even realize that they're part of the problem. Like they're they're the same ones who will cry about no loyalty in the game, and as in the shame that people have to move and the big four and Sky and blah blah blah, and then there they are watching Grealish be the best player on the pitch. In a big game, Villa or it's actually still in Villa's hands. You go into the top four. Man City do have a game in hand over Villa, um, but Villa are ahead of them at the minute. And and there they are just saying, "Oh, wh- wh- when's Grealish going to play for a different team?" It's like <laughs> you're watching him now. Like, what? Why do you need to see him play for a, a different team, a, a bigger team, the same bigger team and the same cabal or, or aristocracy that you will complain about uh, in a different setting? It's it's bizarre and it's it's boring, and it's very disappointing that it's like they feel like they need to just push this narrative themselves, and then they'll cry about all the transfer stories as well. Fucking grow up and you know just have a bit more imagination about your thoughts. But they're crying about him or asking when he's going to be moving to a bigger team. Whenever they're watching him dominate against that bigger team, that's, that's a supposed mean. bigger team. This is the team that Jack Grealish. Is in everybody's mind going to next year? Like, yeah. is Villa are an infinitely better team than Manchester United. Man United were shit tonight. All the big chances were Aston Villa's. Jack Grealish was a huge part of that. Villa, Man United got very lucky with her two goals. Like, do me a fucking favor, as if Jack Grealish needs to go play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to progress his career. <laughs> like that—that that is an absolutely that is absolutely a step backwards. Going to Man United with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as their manager or staying at your boyhood club who can clearly compete with Manchester United based on tonight's performance yeah. under Dean Smith. Like, what would you rather do there? I would definitely rather try to achieve something with with my boyhood club as opposed to go to Man- Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United and win nothing. Yeah, Manchester United will not be successful even with Jack Grealish under the current setup. 
And Jack Grealish as well has to think bigger than this. Jack Grealish is one of the best players in the world. What do all the best players in the world who or the best players who played for Manchester United end up doing? They go to fucking Real Madrid. Yeah. Why is Jack Grealish not thinking about that? If he if the worst happens and he does leave Aston Villa, he has to be thinking bigger than going to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or going to fucking Chelsea or Man yeah. City. Like he has he has to be looking beyond that because the next step is there. He's already at that level. Go play for Real Madrid. Invite John McGinn over for the summers. Get fucking pissed in the Costa del Sol. <laughs> it's such a failure of the imagination there. Like, like the, the the idea that he needs to play for a better team to show off the talent that you've just watched him display. Like you've seen the evidence yeah. of what you want to see next year. It's 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 bizarre. Like just think about what you're saying before you just pedal that out and. and Ask why, like, why do you feel like you need to say that as well? Why, why, why is that a thing? You've just enjoyed watching Jack Grealish play. Watch him again; he's on every week. Yeah, but also, but also, at least, at least, whenever you're saying that, make sure it's a better team you're fucking offering. Don't yeah. make it Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Manchester United. Like that doesn't make any sense. You're talking about Jack Grealish needing to move from Villa when he's just beaten Man United tonight on his own, nearly. I know yeah. Villa lost the game, but that's irrelevant. Villa were a much better team than Man United. Is all the skills were were on display? He doesn't need to go to United to do that. And that's all she wrote. Uh, disappointing night. Good start to the season. I have to keep saying that. Yeah, like I need to, I need to cop on and just accept they're going to lose some games. Um, a week off now before an FA Cup game. So essentially, ten days off really. So they're playing Liverpool next Friday in the FA Cup third round, and then Spurs on Wednesday night. 8.15, and then that's followed by Everton and Man City, so three big games ahead, two, the first two of those are at Villa Park, not that that matters, there's no crowd, but um, there's something nice about seeing your name coming out first there, and at least you know that you have most of the ball against Spurs, and they'll be trying to hit you on the counter-attack, so essentially 13 days to prepare for that one, and I swear if Ross Barkley isn't playing, I'm going to go fucking nuts. Anyway, have fun, see you later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.